Welcome to Orbital Times Podcast, and hello to everyone, whatever part of the globe you're from or happen to reside in. My name is Kelly Joe, and here we'll provide armchair conversations gathered from interviews and research reviews to explore the seen, the unseen, and the in-between of the supernatural paranormal phenomena, with topics that circle around spirit orbs, NDEs, OBEs, UFOs, time slips, mystical moments, higher consciousness, and more. I hope that this cast will be our meeting place and judge-free zone where we can explore, learn, and grow through the telling of. This cast will be launched on a monthly basis or a bi-weekly schedule whenever I'm able to make contact with those in the know for their telling of. Speaking of those in the know and the telling of, have you had mystical moments or other supernatural paranormal experiences? Care to share on this cast? Then consider stepping into the light with your telling of or send in your monologue for me to read on this podcast. Simply email orbicaltimespodcast at gmail.com for a chance to contribute to this cast. Welcome to Orbital Times Podcast. Perhaps I should have called this my last episode. In this episode, I explore the inner and outer senses, which circle around the topic of clair or psychic senses. Plus, I will begin to explore the feeling or sense of being stared at. This episode is dedicated to my mother, who passed away January 2023, and who communicated to me through dreams that she had passed on. Just like her mother, my mother had clear abilities. Thanks, Mom, for letting me know, and happy travels. We experience both outer and inner senses, from the five outer or physical senses to, at times, a sixth or psychic sense. I'm going to begin by reading a post I penned originally entitled Making Some Sense Out of Our Senses, and then I will make a wide circle around the topic of the feeling or sense of being stared at. Exploring why science would go from ruminations to examination of such a topic, which was at that time considered to be a supernatural phenomenon. And then, if all goes well, I will conclude with a contemporary theory regarding the phenomena of being able to detect being stared at, also known as scopesthesia. No need to buckle up or strap yourself in or tie yourself up, but you might want to lean into this one or sit back and expand your consciousness. Well, it's all up to you. And so, without further ado, it's just me. There's no interview. Making some sense out of some of our senses. Most humans are familiar with the five senses, which equates to sight, smell, hearing, taste, and touch. There is also something referred to as proprioception, or kinesthesia, meaning a sense of body movements and where our body is relative to its surrounding environment. As an example, walking up the stairs without having to look at each step. There is also something called synesthesia, which means perceived together. It's a different way of perceiving one sense while utilizing another. As an example, one may see colors while playing or listening to music. Four common clair senses, plus four more. The word clair comes from the French Latin root word clair, <laughs> meaning clear or bright. Clair senses refers to the senses that some people are able to utilize in order to connect with spirit on a psychic level. Before I go any further, 
Just a side note. If you're hearing voices, auditory hallucinations, or seeing things, psychosis, you might consider talking to your family or your family doctor or a health professional. In addition, if you're having feelings of dread and or hallucinations, it may be due to a gas leak, so call your local gas company or your fire department to discuss. Most common clear senses, along with definitions. Clear audience. Clear audio. The act or state of hearing. The ability to hear sounds in real time from the other side. Sounds might include knocking, coughing, music, words, etc. Clear cognizant. Clear knowing. Knowledgeable of something. Similar to intuition or premonition or forewarning. Clear sentience. Clear sensation or feelings. Responsive to or conscious of sense impressions, such as sight, hearing, touch, taste, or smell, and allows one to sense or feel the emotions of others. Clairvoyance, clear vision, an ability to communicate with dead people, to predict future events, or to know about things that you did not actually see happen or hear about. Persons that are able to receive visual impressions usually but not always, using their mind's eye to see things that cannot be perceived in the normal sense. Are there those who identify as having clairvoyant abilities and also have aphantasia? Aphantasia is the inability to form mental images or real or imaginary people, places, or things. I know of someone who identifies as having aphantasia, but is also able to receive images that come in a flash. If you know how that works... Let me know. Claire Gustans, a clear sense of taste. Latin word gustus, meaning tasting, or gusto, coming from the Italian noun, which can mean our sense of taste. This type of sense provides individuals with the essence of what I like to call palate memories. These essences not only consist of food or drink, but may also include tangible and intangible items, such as clay trees, emotions, or thoughts. The next sense I will serve up in connection to taste is that of clear olfaction. Clear olfaction, meaning clear smell. This sense, also referred to as clear essence, means being able to smell odors that do not have a known source. As an example, pipe smoke or perfumes. Sometimes that is noted, but there's no one there, and the area is known to be scent-free of such aromas. This may be a sign of a spirit trying to get your attention. If you're interested about some of my Claire experiences, then check out my website. Unfortunately, Molly the dog gets blamed for some of the odors in our home. Poor Molly. But then again, she is 16. For my last two examples, I've chosen Claire Empathy and Claire Tangency. Claire Empathy means clear sense of feeling. Empathy is not the same as sympathy. Psychic empaths can detect psychic information through emotions. Empaths may be able to sense someone's emotions, but the gift of clear empathy may provide information about the source of that emotion, whether it is in real time or not. Clear tangency, meaning clear touch, and for the word touch, it is communication, a form of psychic communication or information derived from a transfer of information from an object through to the hands or through to the skin. And now on with the sense or feeling of being stared at 
Have you ever been in a public place, perhaps an airport, library, or maybe standing in line, scrolling through your phone, reading a book, and then you feel it? That feeling of being stared at, or if you prefer to use the root word, sense, that sense of being stared at. You look over or up just in time to see the other's gaze avert. Almost predictable? Well, perhaps, especially when you find yourself waiting in a public area in the type of environments where people are doing, for the most part, the same thing that you might be doing. And perhaps others are looking around seeing who is, well, looking at them. And then, as humans are known to do at times, we fix our gaze on someone else, sometimes seemingly unconsciously, that is, until we are met with a stare back, or back gaze, if you will. This, according to PubMed, is the biological phenomenon known as gaze detection or gaze perception, the feeling that can turn into a confirmation when we notice the other noticing us. This adaptation, this feeling, allowed our ancestors to be, well, our ancestors. If someone turns their gaze off of you by turning just a few degrees to the left or to the right, then apparently that feeling of being stared at quickly fades. Some scientists suggest that a complex neural network is behind the gaze detection. But what's going on when we feel an unseen gaze, perhaps from behind? And what about those times when you had the feeling of being stared at, but there was nobody there? Or at least nobody that you could initially see, but you still had a sense, perhaps a sixth sense of being watched, as an example. Let's say I'm walking down a quiet neighborhood street at night with Molly the dog. I feel that someone is looking at me. I stop while the dog is busy with her own business. I pivot 90 degrees. I look back across the street and up at a house and there is a neighbor in that house looking out of their second floor window at me. As soon as they see me seeing them, they step back and close their curtains. Or how about I'm walking on that same street at night? It's very quiet and I feel compelled to look up and I'm not sure why, nothing interesting about that spot, but I do anyways. I see lights in the sky in a certain formation. I identify the UFO or an identified flying object. And now for one last illustration, and I think it's worth the mention because not only does it example my topic, but it acts as a reminder to take heed of your feelings, of your senses. One evening on a quiet side road in Montreal, I was heading for the metro or for the subway. I was familiar with the area and with that metro, and it's probably one of the deepest metros in Montreal at least at that time anyways. There were many descending flights of escalators before one actually reaches the underground subway. Anyways, I had just finished Christmas shopping. And although it was not too late, it was dark due to the winter season. As I made my way towards the underground station, I had the sensation that someone was looking at me. I stopped. I scanned the one-way street both ways. No one was there. The feeling persisted. I looked around again, and that feeling of being stared at, well, it jumped to, I think someone may harm me, even though there was no one visible. I could see the entrance doors of the metro ahead on my left, and then a thought crossed my brain. And as it did, I remember thinking, a seemingly strange strategy, at least it seemed odd in the moment, and I still find it a bit perplexing. 
And here's what unfolded. I recall thinking along the lines of, this phantom of sorts means to harm me. So I pretended to go towards one of the two doors, but then I quickly went to the other door to get the phantom off their game, which was a weird thought. I mean, why would I have thought of that? As I said, I had taken that route to the metro many times before and had never felt creeped out by that area. Anyways, I did the maneuver and I went towards the entrance door to my left and when I was about an arm's length away, I veered towards the right door. Both doors were those full-length glass revolving doors. I thought, what if I get trapped in them? But then they were the only doors that were available. I pushed through and I entered the inside of the building. I was relieved. But I hadn't crashed into calmness yet. No, (laughs) no sooner did I have that sensation when a hand came from around the back of me, covered my mouth, and I was forced backwards. I have listened to a number of podcasts and found that some guests, especially those featured on Paranormal Supernatural casts mention having experienced a feeling of being stared at, which can be unnerving, especially when it occurs outside of one's field of vision. I think it's safe to say that most of us have experienced that feeling, and according to Harriet Dempsey Jones, quote, up to 94% of people report that they have experienced the feeling of eyes upon them and turned around to find out they were indeed being watched, unquote. As I mentioned earlier, there are different scenarios that can result in and contribute to the feeling of being stared at. As an example, being in an environment where there are people all around us, or across from us, next to us, or perhaps knowingly behind us. The idea that one can feel the stare of another was first explored by the English psychologist Edward Bradford Titchener and documented December 23, 1898, in a publication called Science, entitled The Feeling of Being Stared At, which manifested after students in his junior classes reported being able to feel when somebody was looking at them, even though they could not see this person. Before I summarize Titchener's experiment, it would be helpful to examine why a psychologist would align himself to explore such a phenomenon an exploration that would surely be deemed today as pseudoscience. In the 1800s, science was still in its infancy, but was making rapid advancements. Because the advances in science and technology were so rapid, the natural and the supernatural worlds often became blurred in popular thinking. And according to an article entitled The Victorian Supernatural by Roger Luckhurst, Quote, every scientific and technological advancement encouraged a kind of magical thinking and was accompanied by a shadow discourse of the occult. End quote. The occult, in this case, is entwined by esoteric beliefs of the supernatural kind. On one hand, religious establishments were becoming overshadowed by scientific elucidations, most notably Charles Darwin's theory of evolution by natural selection, and on the other hand, it was also, according to Luckhurst, quote, a golden age of belief in supernatural forces and energies, ghost stories, weird transmissions, and spooky phenomena. Sounds like my kind of era. Some of these supernatural forces started with mesmerism. Think of it as a kind of, well, combination of hypnotherapy mixed with Reiki, and then there was spiritualism, which 
try to foster communication with spirit by the use of certain tools such as the planchette, table turning or tipping, talking boards, mediumship, etc. From the tap-tap-tapping of the telegraph to the turning of the phonograph and then gramophones, those types of media acted as medium, conveying messages in a seemingly ghostly fashion. Many early telecommunication technologies were created by scientists who partook in spirit investigations, such as Edison's light bulb moment when he declared he was working on a telephone that would connect with spirits. Some technologies like plate photography and x-rays allowed the invisible to become visible and were utilized to capture and keep the essence of a loved one, be they dead or alive. How much more ghostly could it get? Such scientific investigations only affirmed, for many, their belief in the occult. Such devices became popular not merely due to their transformative powers, but because of their interactive, instantaneous qualities. A good example of this was the X-ray, or perhaps more accurately, the fluoroscope, which caused quite the craze. Demonstrations were given at lectures and public exhibitions. Audience members were chosen to have, as an example, their hands or handbags x-rayed. But honestly, why go out when one could buy or build their own x-ray apparatus for personal use? And so they did. One can only imagine the types of items that may have been explored in the privacy of one's home or not. Unfortunately, in the end, it was to become a bone-jarring experience due to the effects of radiation. I guess it's fair to say that a battle royale of sorts began to brew between religion, science, the natural and the supernatural worlds, which drove some early scientists to enlist their craft to debunk the popular supernatural phenomena of the day, while others used their art in hopes of bringing a legitimacy to such phenomena. From the dictaphone that was used to record speech of both the living and the dead to flash photography, which shed some light at times as to what was really happening in the darkened seance rooms. Naturalist Alfred Russell Wallace's assertions that spiritualism was a legitimate topic up for scientific investigation. Perhaps thought reading transpired between Wallace and physicist Sir William Fletcher Barrett, because in 1882, Barrett co-founded a scientific organization called the Society for Psychical Research, dedicated to paranormal investigations. Let us now circle back to the psychologist Titchener and his experiment relating to the feeling of being stared at. Titchener is said to have conducted a string of lab experiments that consisted of students students who had, prior to the experiment, already declared themselves to be either susceptible to the stare or capable of making people turn around if they were to stare at the other's back. Titchener, according to a professor, Adam Waits, hope I got your name right, professor, quote, proceeds to describe the phenomena as a self-fulfilling prophecy whereby an individual in the front of a populated room, believing himself or herself to be watched, begins fidgeting thereby attracting attention from the people in the back of the room, end quote. Titchener described the phenomena in this way. We are all of us, more or less, nervous about our back, and describes how people from his observations, quote, become nervous and anxious about how their appearance will be viewed, especially when viewed from behind, end quote. Like as an example, when one is sitting in a theater or a music hall, he continues by stating that, quote, 
This sort of anxiety about the back varies considerably from individual to individual. But most of us are probably aware that we share it to some extent. End quote. According to Rupert Sheldrick, scientist and author of The Sense of Being Stared At, Titchener did not publish quantitative data, nor had he given details of his experimental methods. He merely announced that his results confirmed his negative expectations. In other words, the feeling had nothing to do with a sixth sense, but rather circles around the anxiety we have about our back. Titchener's own conclusions were as follows, quote, I may state that I have tested this interpretation of the feeling of being stared at at various times, either and the experiments have invariably given a negative result, end quote. Titchener summarizes by stating that no scientifically minded psychologist believes in telepathy, end quote. His observations seem to be describing what is now referred to as the spotlight effect, which is a tendency to exaggerate the extent to which others notice our appearance and behaviors. In other words, it feels like a spotlight is on us even when there isn't one. It seems to me that his observations and conclusions could be summed up with this bit of advice. Stay calm, carry on, and keep your back to the wall. Oh well, science was still in its infancy. So, Let's move on to one of Titchener's contemporaries. In 1913, some 15 years after Titchener's article was published, John Edgar Coover, that's Coover with a C, had also published an article entitled, coincidentally, The Feeling of Being Stared At. However, Coover provided more than simply anecdotal evidence. He conducted approximately 10,000 experiments with 100 subjects to test for extrasensory perception, or ESP. Like Titchener, Coover was also out to debunk this phenomenon through, what seems to me as, methods resembling a carnival game of chance. Professor Waits from the University of Chicago explains that, quote, In the experiment, Coover examined 10 people who reported holding the belief and subjected them each to a hundred trial test in which they sat with their backs to Coover. Coover rolled a die one hundred times, and every time the roll was odd, he stared at the subject for fifteen seconds. If the roll was even, he did not stare for fifteen seconds. After each of the fifteen-second trials, the subject reported whether or not they were stared at. The roll of the die produced fifty-one point eight percent odd rolls. And thus, Coover was able to randomize, effectively, staring versus no staring trials. Subjects were able to guess correctly 50.2% of the time, virtually exactly at chance. Thus, the phenomenon of being stared at proved yet again to be illusory. Both Titchener and Coover are referenced as a benchmark for the study of the phenomenon the phenomenon of being able to detect being stared at, also known as scopesthesia. Science has come a long way since the 1800s, and the methodologies and conclusions about this phenomena have changed as well. Or has it? In 1981, the British biologist, biochemist Rupert Sheldrake wrote and published a book called A New Science of Life. The book argued that there was more than genetics at play when something of little or less, form, creates and grows into something of more form. 
Additionally, there is a form-giving field which holds the memory of and allows for each thing's proper shape, which he calls the genetic field. He also asserts that such a field is responsible for a type of telepathy between organisms. His theory is that memory is inherent in nature and that natural systems inherit a collective memory from their species and that the laws of nature are more along the lines of habits. That theory gave way to ridicule from Sir John Maddox, a chemist and physicist by training and editor of a scientific journal. Sir John would go on to become one of Sheldrick's biggest critics. Sir John called for the burning of Rupert's book, and in Rupert's words, S.J.M. worked towards excommunicating him from the world of science. In the end, Sheldrick's theory left a bad taste in the mouth of the scientific community, which still lingers today, and his theory of morphogenic field has been criticized as pseudoscience. Rupert Sheldrick then wrote a book called The Sense of Being Stared At. Before I go further, I want to give some additional background that I feel is pertinent to Sheldrick's seemingly unorthodox pursuits of these fields, these fields of, well, feels. Sheldrick experimented with psychedelics back in the 70s when he was a young atheist. He asserts that his mind expanded and that the experience acted as a, quote, gateway to further explore consciousness. Wait, is that where the term gateway drug stems from? Anyways, he then wanted to revisit that mystical experience of his youth, but without the drugs, so he took up yoga and meditation. In an interview with Morgan Freeman, through the wormhole, Sheldrake describes fields as regions of influence, which he demonstrates using magnetic fields which either repel or attract to each other and act as a type of self-organizing property of fields that are integrated. He proposes that the morphic fields also organize the bodies of animals, plants, and the activity of our brains and minds. These fields, claims Rupert, are what allow birds to fly in formation, fish to swim in schools, and has a role in the seemingly psychic ability of those canines that sense when their owners are due home. Or how about when we're thinking about someone and that someone phones us? And of course, when we sense or have a feeling of being stared at. Unlike his predecessors, he was not out to debunk this phenomenon. On the contrary, he has conducted experiments in order to prove that the sense is real. However, like his predecessors, he had an observer and a subject in a series of trials, either looking or not looking at the subject, and in turn the subject had to indicate if they felt that they were being looked at or not. Remember that Coover's experiment resulted in a 50.2%, so exactly at chance. However, Sheldrick's results apparently showed a 53.1%, so then he just passed the statistical 3% threshold. In Rupert's book, The Sense of Being Stared At, he asserts, quote, that our minds work through extended fields that stretch far beyond our heads into the world around us, linking us to other people and to our environment. End quote. He now believes that there is a connection from and with our consciousness to a greater consciousness. I think it's safe to say that the phenomenon exists, at least for some of us. Are psychic senses the real deal? Could Rupert's theory be the answer or an answer to what I'll call the fields of feels? And what is the role of quantum mechanics in regards to consciousness? I'm not sure. If the theory that the brain behaves in a quantum fashion is true, then I guess it's the role of a lifetime. If I understand correctly, 
don't hold your breath. There are, according to a Dr. Dean Radden, who is chief scientist at the Institute of Noetic Sciences, or IONS, and here's what he says. Two elements of quantum mechanics that may seem a little weird, because they are not like everyday reality. One being the observational effect, which equates to the simple act of observing or staring at something, changes its behaviors. The other element is non-locality, meaning things are connected through space and time. Currently, science does not have the one go-to theory of consciousness well, that I'm aware of. And if it can't be explained, then what? Perhaps it really is a dualistic view of mind over matter. Do you believe that consciousness is restricted to our brain? Or does it resonate far beyond that, allowing for mystical moments? And if so, what could it mean for the individual and for humanity to harness and perhaps amplify such a gift on a global scale? Well, with that thought, I searched the net the next day. My search word was consciousness. And coincidentally, or was it? I came across a book entitled Expand Your Consciousness, Universal Consciousness, The Next Step for Humanity by David K. Miller. His book covers such topics as altered states of consciousness, channeling, connecting with beings of higher consciousness, different dimensions, the dream state experience, and more. We can only hope that some within the scientific community continue on with their conscientious quest into consciousness. I would like to keep this cast a commercial-free zone. In light of that, please consider subscribing to my YouTube channels. All my orb videos are available by using the handle at Spirit Orb Sightings or visit my new channel with the handle at Orbital Times Podcast. If you've already subscribed, many thanks. For blogs, episodes, show notes, bios, images, and video, please visit www.orbicaltimes.com. If you enjoyed an episode, then please give a like or a share on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, or whatever podcatcher you happen to use. If you've already done so, much appreciated. Thank you for taking your time to visit these Orbical Times. Orbical Times podcast is written, produced, edited, and hosted by me, Kelly Joe, at Studio Spare Room. <laughs>